between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Welcome to Days of High Adventure. I'm your host, the fantastical Clinton Robison. If you somehow magically stumbled upon this show, I should probably let you know that this is a podcast dedicated to comic book stories of the fantasy genre. Aren't many different things considered fantasy? Well, you know, that's true enough. But this show focuses mainly on the Tolkien-esque style fantasy. High fantasy, sword and sorcery, pirate adventures, elves, dwarves, goblins, etc., etc. And definitely not in a modern era setting. Why am I biased against modern fantasy? I'm really not. I actually kind of dig, you know, bits and pieces of modern fantasy. I just feel it's getting over, you know, a little more, um, a little more play than the traditional fantasy. And I'm a sucker for the traditional fantasy, because that's what I grew up on. This episode, I'll be sticking with Savage Sword of Conan number 99. You know, the book we kind of sort of looked at last episode, although I did a little more focus on Conan's actual history publication-wise. Only instead of the backup story, we will be checking out the main feature this time. And even though I covered a bit of Conan history last episode, okay, a, a bit more than a bit, I'll still remind you of, you know, just a few things. Conan is the creation of writer Robert E. Howard, who published short stories featuring our barbarian hero in the pages of Weird Tales back in the 1930s. That's right, folks, Conan is nearly 90 years old. Conan hails from a country known as Samaria and wanders the lands of Hyboria, seeking adventure and all manner of earthly pleasures. He is known to possess great melancholies and great mirth. In his stories, Howard usually included a slight twist in that Conan would somehow encounter something or someone beyond his kin. Generally, a creature quite possibly not native to our earthly plane of existence. Or, since Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft were, you know, pretty much, uh, well, I wouldn't say they're BFFs, but they were definitely pen pals, some of these creatures have been likened to uh, Lovecraftian old ones, deep ones, however you want to call it. Basically, uh, some of the Conan monsters were Lovecraft monsters. It's not quote-unquote official, but it pretty much is. But anyway, Conan has been known to fight opponents ranging from thieves and cult members to dinosaurs to... Well, 
I mean, the stories pretty much speak for themselves after that. Or, you know, they say what I just told you. As a reminder, Savage Sword of Conan was a black-and-white magazine-sized book, so no colorists in these. There is, however, color on the cover, which features Conan and a scantily clad woman. Don't they all? Well, no, not all, but, you know, 90% of them, probably. And Conan and this woman are relaxing on a couch of sorts, as what is... Potentially, a monstrous figure emerges from a secret trap door in the foreground. Conan's uh, look, the look on his face pretty much says uh, he definitely was not expecting it. We only see that the figure's back, you know, it's facing us, but, you know, he brandishes a giant sword, and like I said, Conan looks quite surprised by these events. Will this come into play in the story? Well... Let's, uh, let's look at the story and find out, huh? Oh, and speaking of stories, the main feature from Savage Sword of Conan number 99 is called The Informer. Plot and art by John Buscema. Dialogue by Michael Fleischer. Finishes by Ernie Chan. So, those of you that are old Marvel hounds, um... You already know what kind of what kind of artistic treat you're in for from uh, John Bushima and Ernie Chan. So, without further ado, let's kind of ease into it here. Caught in a storm to end all storms, Conan and several other sailors must abandon ship before their boat is torn to pieces. Conan and Bertrand are the only two to make it safely to shore. The pair spy three men buried neck deep on the beach and attempt to rescue them before they drown. Doing so brings them to the attention of the local soldiers who capture Conan and Bertrand and take all five men back to the dungeon where the prisoners are kept. Conan picks a fight with what appears to be the prison bully and soon after the guards arrive, they take a prisoner named Darius with them. It seems the queen has requested an audience with Darius. As he is taken to see the queen, Darius marvels at all the hedonistic activities that seem to be occurring. And boy howdy, is it hedonistic. The queen gives Darius food and drink and escorts him to her chambers. The two proceed to begin their own hedonistic pursuits, hey, hey, hey. but in the midst of such bedroom maneuvers, a portion of the stone floor opens and a muscular cloaked figure emerges. He grabs Darius and carries him below, all while the queen lies back and takes extra pleasure in Darius's screams. Later, back down in the dungeons, Conan cleverly engineers a prison break. They escape to the old part of the city. The prisoner... <clears throat> excuse me. Let me try that again. One prisoner in particular, Maynar, reunites with his lover, Nadia. She seems uh, less than thrilled at their reunion. Former prisoner Nino informs Conan how the queen came to power through wicked means just a few months prior. 
This tale inspires Conan to lead the people in a rebellion against her. Over the next weeks, Conan and his men make various raids against the city's wealthy, as well as the queen's soldiers, enraging the queen to declare Conan an enemy of the crown. One night, as Maynar is, well, you could call it a, he's on a scouting mission for Conan, he sees Nadia in the company of two soldiers. Thinking she's been arrested, he follows them but soon discovers all three returning to Nadia's home. After the soldiers eventually leave, Maynard confronts Nadia. She initially denies anything, then shifts to saying she simply spends time with them in exchange for a few trinkets and baubles. Maynard realizes as a penniless rebel he can't give Nadia the life she desires, and Nadia does nearly everything to delude herself that she is nothing more than a common whore to these soldiers. Outside, Manor runs afoul of a group of guards who arrest him. He is tortured to reveal information regarding Conan, but he steadfastly denies anything. Eventually, a raid goes sour and Conan is arrested, only for a barely alive Manor to reappear at the rebels' hideout. Bertrand and Nino figure out Maynard's betrayal too quickly, and the group rushes to rescue Conan. Save Maynard, who realizes his mistake and goes off alone. At the palace, the queen has ordered Conan brought to her chambers. The same process as earlier plays out, only Conan does not find himself lost in passion. He instead finds himself grappling with... Sajamdok as the creature is called. Meanwhile, the raid on the palace begins. While the rest are fighting soldiers, Maynard happens to be scaling the wall outside the queen's chambers and tosses Conan a sword in time to aid the Sumerian in killing Sajamduk. As Conan tries to make sense of the hideous creature, the queen charges at Conan, dagger in hand. Maynard tosses his own dagger and strikes her in the back. She transforms into a creature more monstrous than Sajemduk and knocks Maynard out the window to his death. Conan slays the monstrous queen just as the raiders arrive. They all stare in horror as a now-transformed Darius and other former prisoners begin to emerge from the pit. They all force the trapdoors back shut and proceed to burn down the palace in order to prevent the horrors from ever escaping. As the palace burns, the rebels say they will rebuild the city in the old ways. Conan and Bertrand, however, both say they would prefer to return to a life at sea. <sighs> what a story, right? I mean, that was, that was a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of action. So let's take a quick break and uh, come back with a few thoughts. All right, our bags are packed and we got the snacks. It's time for the Lombox Crusade road trip to the Lombox Mobile crew. Check on, check on. Dang it. Everyone buckled up. Here we go. Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh, no. Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's going to need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays, his ongoing look at online fan films. Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. 
you know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Probe. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I'm going to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show's going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Do run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or beta? Yeah, either one is fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey recovery. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the pure Lombok Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies, and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then, so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our pop culture positcast show. The one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture that others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater. Our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pentagons. Burger Chef! Oh, Crom and Mitra, if that wasn't a Conan tale, then I've never read one. It has just about everything. Sword fights, lechery and larceny, magical monstrosities. I mean, just wow. Oh, where to begin, where to begin, where to begin. Uh, it's hard to discuss the story without the art, and it's hard to discuss the art without the story. I mean, okay, okay, I'll say exactly what everybody was already thinking. Busima did absolutely no wrong with this at all. Every panel is pure perfection and a literal work of art. I mean, yes, how how could art be more art than art? But take my word for it if you're not looking at it. Oh, so I, I mean, I guess from there we can go to the story itself and circle back, right? <sighs> okay, the story doesn't come right out and say that Conan has been a pirate per se, or precisely what he and his crew were doing out there on the seas. But let's be honest with ourselves, folks. Conan has been a sailor and a pirate more than once in his adventuring life. I mean, there's an entire string of stories where he's running around with Baelid, Queen of the Black Coast. There's stories where Conan is with Desert Raiders, and you can't tell me that's not a, another form of being a pirate, just on sands instead of in the ocean. 
I mean, let, let's just put put facts out there. Conan and his crew were probably not out on a fishing boat. Hmm. And one more thing you have to remember about Conan stories is that they don't really happen in a clear chronological order. It's something I probably just glossed over last episode, but it's true. Basically, you have three stages of Conan's life. You have Conan the young adventurer who has freshly left Samaria and is exploring the world. You have Conan the experienced adventurer who has been out there and seen and done things, but he's still living his best life. And then you have the era where Conan is king of Aquilonia. He's acquired his his throne, trampled the jeweled crowns of the earth beneath his sandaled feet, and he's still living his best life just as a king, not a wandering barbarian. That's the only thing you need to know about Conan's life as far as a clear, concise order. Anything else is just somebody assembling pieces in whatever order they think fits best. So, does this happen before he's met Balet? Does it happen after? Could this be Conan's first time to really be captaining a ship? We don't know. The important part is that he was on a ship. It gets wrecked in a storm. He's off a ship. Stuff happens. Yes, folks, this is the kind of wonderful, insightful podcast you've turned, you know, tuned into. So, (laughs) oh, so, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, they don't happen in a clear chronological order. It's more just the fact that they do indeed happen. The continuity isn't as important as the excitement of the story. Anyway, yeah, the pirate sailor thing is straight out of the Howard stories. Finding three people buried up to their chins on a beach? Eh, probably not so much. It is still a pretty freaky moment because, I mean, I've read this story multiple times and so many times. So many times I see those heads on a beach and I think, oh my god, the other sailors have been decapitated and <laughs> and their heads are waiting for Conan. I laugh at this moment, but like seriously, reading it, I'm, I'm caught up in the moment and it's like, whoa, 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 wait. There is some serious shiz going on here. Oh, but man, it, it's totally freaky and it would fit perfectly in a prose Conan tale. It, in fact, everything in the story fits perfectly well. Conan's look would absolutely get him arrested just for wanting to save people from a torturous drowning death. I mean, I know I keep going back to Queen of the Black Coast, but you know, Conan's sense of honor to not rat out his friend in court gets him really, really in serious trouble. Other parts of the story that I absolutely love include Conan's jailbreak and the surprise transformation of the Queen. I know I didn't elaborate too much earlier on the jailbreak. Oh my gosh, this jailbreak, I love it. 
The prisoners do a variation on the whole guard, I'm sick, please help routine. And, you know, it, it's okay. But however, instead of the guard entering the cell, Conan just grabs him through the bars, bashes his head against the door until the guard lets them out. It's comical and fierce at the same time. A smart move on Conan's part, who was determined to escape with or without the other prisoners. The Queen's transformation was a surprise for me, though. I mean, it probably shouldn't have been, because it's very Howard-esque, but it still was. I just assumed, you know, once Conan killed... I hate this name. Sajem Dok and Maynard knife the queen that it'd be over, and, you know, a few pages of exposition to the end of the tale. No. Busima's art really sells that moment, too. You see her shift from the somewhat alluring queen to a hideous monstrosity that rivals your worst nightmares. I can't even describe her properly. Claws, fangs, an enormous tail, hooked hands that look like Gigan from the Godzilla movies. But trust me, this form would terrify even the most stalwart barbarian. So, yes, uh, the, the art and the story both merge perfectly to convey this story, and they are an absolute treat for any Conan fan. I hope you can see why I enjoy this story so much and how it fits so perfectly into the fantasy comics mold. Oh, these tales of reluctant heroes and flat-out freaky-deaky abominations. Oh, oh my. But that's not all. There's also you know, a literature rec recommendation. I wouldn't leave you without you know, a little something extra for you to venture into. So, as for a literature suggestion outside of this... I'd say pick up one of the Robert Jordan Conan novels. I mean, any of them would work, really. I mean, they're, they're all fun. They really are. But for the sake of being specific, let's say Conan the Victorious. There are a lot of similar... Wow, okay, let's try that one more time. I cannot say that word this morning, apparently. There are a lot of similarities to this Conan story in that novel. Demon bargaining. Conan on the run and teaming up with another less-than-law-abiding gentleman. Etc., etc. I mean, just trust me on this one, folks. If you dug this story from Savage Sword, you'll enjoy Conan the Victorious. So... Let's take another quick break and come back with some feedback on episode one. Need a podcast talking about weird stuff? Well, then we've got just the thing for you. Into the Weird, a podcast chronicling the madness and magnificence of the mighty Marvel Bronze Age of comics, featuring the voice talents of Mr. Billy Delicious. Hola. Mr. Herman Hellstrom Lowe. Hey there. And straight from the long box of darkness, his infernal majesty Dormammu. How are you doing? And many more. But wait a minute. You might be thinking, 
Aren't all comics infused with a grain of weirdness? I mean, Reed Richards can stretch every single part of his body, right? And why did Ultron design the vision with working genitalia? Well, you would be correct, but Into the Weird isn't just any regular comic book show, folks. We focus on the really bizarre. Here are a few examples. A sword and sorcery barbarian grown spontaneously from a jar of peanut butter. A duck running for president of the United States. Benjamin Franklin playing hide the sausage with Doctor Strange's girlfriend, Clea. A giant-sized man-thing lamenting the death of a clown. A serial killer obsessed with killing only fools, dressed as cavalier with laser guns after witnessing a priest fornicating. And so much more. So if you like the wonderful weirdness of the Bronze Age from 1970 to 1985, and characters such as Ghost Rider, Morbius, The Defenders, Man-Thing, Son of Satan, Skull the Slayer, Kill Raven, Howard the Duck, and the weird granddaddy of them all, Dr. Stephen Strange, then this is the show for you. ITW's on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and TuneIn. Hit subscribe and join us for a comic-filled jaunt into the weird. All right, this is the feedback portion. I thank you so much for sticking with me. And I thank so many people for joining us for that first episode, for getting the word out there, and for sending some feedback. First up, everybody who liked, shared, retweeted this show up on the social medias. We have Ed Moore, Max Reeves Comics, Gene Hendricks, Jerry Green, Pat Sampson, Relatively Geeky, Mike Garvey, Rick Heineken, Hal Jordan, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Jackson Zelda, Alan Middleton, Martin Gray, The Irredeemable Shag, Al Sedano, Jonathan Schaefer-Hames, Robert Lewis, and Prairie Justice. Which, by the way, Prairie Justice is not some guy just gunning us all down on the planes. It's a vigilante podcast. So, thanks for that, Ranger Gord. And yes, we got some actual honest-to-goodness feedback on this last episode. Our good friend Jerry Green said, Downloaded the show and looking forward to listening. Congratulations. Well, thanks, Jerry. I hope you enjoyed it. Relatively Geeky also chimed in with listening now and looking forward. Well, I hope you keep listening. Jackson Zelda said, Great idea for a podcast. Enjoyed the first episode. Conan is a long-time fave. Thanks. Well, Jackson Zelda, I do appreciate that, and I hope you enjoyed this Conan episode. Uh, you know, plenty of more Conan to pop up, so don't, don't, don't like, you know, ditch us the moment we kind of stray from him. Jason Zeller wrote in. It's our good friend Jason from Coffee and Comics. He followed me over here, and I am so glad for it. He says, Hi, I'm so glad to hear that you are doing this podcast. I thought it might be you when I first heard the promo, and I have been eagerly, eagerly, goodness, I can't speak this morning, folks, I'm sorry, 
He says, I have been eagerly anticipating it. This is a great idea for a podcast and one of my favorite genres. I look forward to seeing what treasures you are able to uncover. The first episode definitely delivered as I love fantasy books and comics and especially Conan. I really like this comic as it really helps to show a different side of Conan most people do not think of when they consider the Barbarian. Most people think of him as a warrior going from battle to battle or fighting monsters all the time. The truth is he can be very cunning and crafty and is by no means a dumb character. And most importantly, he learns from his mistakes, especially in regards to human interaction, and will not be taken advantage of in the same way twice. Thanks, Clinton, and I am along for the ride. Well, I am glad you are along for the ride, Jason, because it's going to be a long one, because, goodness, I have a lot of fantasy comics to cover, and I'm so glad you're enjoying Conan, and you basically summed up my take on that uh, backup story from last uh, uh, last episode. Man, my mouth does not work this morning, which is bad for podcasting. But yes, you summed up... <laughs> Maybe you should be doing this podcast because you, <laughs> you summed it up a whole lot faster than I did. Oh. Uh, Jonathan Schaefer-Hames wrote in. He said, Christopher Priest seriously wrote the best Conan outside of Robert E. Howard. Um, I can nitpick back and forth with that one, John, but uh, you're really not all that wrong. He's definitely up there. Okay, so I uh, got one... Mm, pardon me. got one more bit of... Wonderful, uh, wonderful. God, where did it go? That moment when you lost the feedback. What a terrible moment. There it is. Our good friend Billy D. You know, the guy from Into the Weird. That Doc Strange guy. Yeah, him. He wrote in to say, Hey! So pumped that you started this podcast. I'm a huge Robert E. Howard fan and love Conan and Cull especially. Looking forward to the next episode. Well, Billy, as you can see, this was a Conan-centric episode. I don't especially have plans for Cull in the near future, but that doesn't mean he won't pop up because, by golly, there are plenty of fantasy comics out there with Cull and I would love to get to some of them. Oh, man, with all that Conan love, I hate to stray away from the Barbarian right now. I really do. Oh, but I think, I think we're going to have to move to something else for the next episode or two. Hold on, folks, give me just a second to rummage in the box and I will find what our next bit of coverage is over. That way you can read ahead. So, looking in my box, wonderful treasure box of fantasy comics or my Conan decorated short box whatever you want to call it it looks like our next coverage is Red Sonia She-Devil with a Sword 1 and 2 from 1983 by Marvel Comics so you know we aren't straying too far from Conan not, not really but you know 
we got to add a little variety to this wonderful fantasy podcast, don't we? Well, I'm looking forward to it anyway. I hope all of you are as well, and I hope you join me again for more Days of High Adventure. I totally forgot to give the contact information. So if you're stuck with it through the outro, consider this the postscript because you can find us on Twitter at DHADVPod or you can contact the show directly via email at dhadventurepod at gmail.com.